This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're gonna go out of here at the Big Eight Tournament Champion. 93-7 a ticket veteran and Creed stand, Jake Bakoven. I love that band, Creed. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. We're back on the block for the second hour. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Also on Twitch, you can find us on all social media platforms, Spotify, Spotify. <laughs> see see what happens? Yeah, it's hard to Spotify. do Spotify, you see that? Okay. Uh, Too Spotify many fruit flies all... <laughs> The one I tried to kill, spot that fly. Uh, yeah. um, and, and also right here, if you're watching us on Facebook as well as on YouTube, we thank you, hit that subscribe button. Tap in whenever you find us on the block right here from 4 to 6 Central Standard Time. Also, you can text us on the Sauter Heyman text line at 402-464-5685. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear what you feel. We also want to know what you think. So, Bach, we have some uh, some great news that's uh, coming out of the USFL marketplace. Uh, there are some rule changes that is looking to make the game kind of interesting, and I thought it was kind of interesting as well. So we find that when the USFL takes the field on their first game being the Birmingham Stallions, ooh, excuse me, Corona, and the, <laughs> the New Jersey Generals of the USFL have their inaugural seasons jump off on Saturday, April 16th at 6.30. They'll be playing a different style of ball, football, but it would be the same football game with a different twist on it. So some of the rules have come out. And uh, you'll have the same traditions that are familiar to football fans uh, right now, but you'll also that uh, have some changes that will be made. And I found those changes to be quite interesting. League is instituting some, uh, some changes that will bolster the offense, big play potential, improve the game flow, and giving trailing teams an opportunity to be able to come back when they're down. That's, a, that's something that was very interesting to me. It will enhance player safety and it'll give the officiating the opportunity to make the right call and make it fair for both teams. So thinking about that, how do you feel about some of those changes and some of the interesting ones that are going to give it a little twist uh, in the game? Well, I think, first of all, for the USFL and similar to the XFL, I think it is wise to do this, to critique this a little bit, um, because, you know, I, I think that it's, it's tough to get this spring football league going either way. Um, but if it's just the same product with lesser players and lesser brands, um, then I think that's an uphill battle that you're going against. So at least get something for people to tune into and, and, and see what, you know, what it works with. Cause the NFL has already talked about uh, specifically with the XFL, not so much the USFL is maybe adopting some of these things down the line and seeing how they work out and, and maybe uh, at least experimenting with them at the XFL level. So kind of a similar thing with the USFL. There's no direct deal between the NFL, but I'm sure if, if something uh, really works for the USFL, they'll take a look at it. Um, I'm just fascinated by the three-point attempt. Of course, traditionally, yeah. you're able to go for one or two. Uh, after the touchdown, you can get the extra point. Uh, the three-point attempt would be from the 10-yard line if you can get uh, into the end zone from 
from there. You obviously just get one attempt to do so. Um, like you said, that makes games a little more interesting uh, when you can, you know, it, it kind of changes the math. I was always really good with the multiplication tables of seven. Uh, I got that quicker than any of those other ones when I was in fourth grade or third grade, whatever it was, um, because I had followed football and I kind of knew the football scores. This is going to make it uh, change it quite a bit. And I don't know how often I'd go for two if you can go for three. You know, I know it's a, yeah. it's a lot more difficult, but even sometimes more room, a little bit more room might even help you out of uh, the offense. You know, uh, you have a few more yards to game and now the, the defense has to cover more of the field. It could change that the way that they, you know, guard against that, too. So I like the fact that it, it keeps the game open. It's but. I suppose with that, I don't know if I'd like to see that go to the NFL or college football. It's similar to the four-point line, you know, in the Big Three tournament. Rather than you know, I don't, I, I like it where it's at. I don't know if I want to see that in the NBA or college, um, just because it, you know, it takes away from the original game and would really just change the dynamic of it. And I know they went through that with the three-point line originally, and you know, NFL and uh, in college football, they've put all these years or put all these rules in to kind of help the the offense and the scoring and all that. I see more of that in in play here uh i think it, it i think it provides an, an entertaining aspect um and a reason to to tune in more so than um just a spring league yo the one that i really found that was quite interesting and i i, I love how because when you when you when you tend to be watching an nfl game right there are there are times in the game where you know it's a two two possession game where you know the time and the clock is running so the ability that they're taking on the college uh, part of it where under two minutes that they're basically stopping the clock every, so that's giving them more possessions, yeah. more opportunities to be able um, uh, before halftime, as well as uh, at the end of the game to be able to, you know, put something together. It changes the strategy a little bit, you know, it also defensively keeps you on guard because you just can't guard the, you can't guard the out routes and you can't guard the deep. You can't just run a three deep four uh, quarters and just, you know, kind of keep guys from going to the to the eyes. You could throw that ball up the seam and, and, and get a stoppage. So that's those things are pretty cool, I thought. But the one that I really found interesting is just say you're down by three scores. You end up scoring one, and you have the option to take the onside kick or versus a scrimmage play. I thought that was pretty cool. So teams, in essence, will have two options to be able to retain a possession after scoring so this can happen at any time it doesn't have to happen at the end of the game yeah you can say i want to put the pressure on you before half <laughs> i'm gonna you know but there's a to make to it, it take it type of situation right yeah, yeah yeah right so the first option is the traditional method in which um you know that gives you an opportunity from the 25 yard line which puts some risk at it if you if you don't get it you're you, you know you you can pre pretty much dead but um the second one was interesting to me where they give you a fourth down play with 12 yards to go at the 33 yard line. And you can do that at any time. So if the team makes the first down, they retain the possession. That's the one that I thought would give a team that's trailing an alternative way to be able to keep the ball after scoring. I thought that provides an, an exciting aspect of the game as well. And also minimizes uh, the risk um, uh, you know, of of sometimes how the onside kicks can go. You know, they're, they're, they're very rare also to, to, hey, so it gives you another option there, but it gives you a definite risk-reward strategy for coaches. Well, and it's kind of funny, too, because you're thinking at that point in time, you know, that you're trying to, to basically, I mean, the risk is, is pretty high because you're thinking, I want to keep the ball and I keep scoring um, and, you know, put pressure on this team. 
Whereas if you give it up, if you don't get it at the 33, obviously they get the ball. Basically, they're going to get a field goal or so out of it, and then they're going to get their attempt. I mean, they could turn that into not just a touchdown, but then if they go go ahead and do the same exact thing to you and get that first down, your mistake of going for it for fourth and 12 instead of the, the onside kick could lead to multiple possessions and multiple possessions worth of points for the opposing team. So it's kind of fascinating to see how that goes. I wonder over the years if they were to do this, um, you know, you'd have to see the percentages, play the percentages. We don't have any percentages on it, right, with the, with the 12-yard conversion. We don't know what that would be at this point until they play some games. Um, but the analytics and, and how that would change things, because we've seen that in college football where Oregon so often was going for two rather than one just because they thought the analytics would lead them to higher scoring uh, games. And, and sometimes it did against Nebraska, particularly it didn't a few years ago. Now you're seeing the analytics kind of play for the NFL football teams where they get – um, even at their own 44-yard line or whatever. Uh, a lot of guys are, are more worth it to go for fourth and one, you know, than they had in the past to play, um, you know, just try to, you know, keep play keep away or, or try to, to win the field position battle. Um, I wonder if the analytics would go so far as to say, um, go ahead and just go for it on fourth and 12 after you score every time. <laughs> that would be quite entertaining, mm-hmm. but it would change the Again, that that's the part of that that maybe is a little bit dangerous as it kind of could change the way. I mean, if you do have a mismatch, right? Um, and then one team just has 800 yards of total offense by the end of the game, and the other team has like two, you know, 200 or maybe not even 200, like 150. But their defense wasn't on the field all that often. I mean, I, I could see that playing out maybe in a game or two, but most often or not, I think it's it's a big enough risk that it uh, it, it makes it so that it's not an option that's going to be chosen often unless you're making a comeback. Yeah, and then then you're going to be able to also, Buck, you're going to be able to throw some some trickery in there too, right? Whereas in, in the NFL, you can't, you can't have uh, two, two passes that are behind the line of scrimmage, whereas here they're going to allow that. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. That's going to open up the playbooks like crazy in different situations that you're going to be able to throw some trickery out there. You know, you find yourself at the 45-yard line going, you know, about to cross over the 50, and then you throw a trickery play out there that just blows everybody's mind. I think it could be pretty fun. Um, but they're going to need to do something to spruce it up, being that they're having every game there at Birmingham. So they're, yeah. they're trying to figure out ways to spruce the game up a little bit. I like the, I also like the, uh, pa- I mean, the, um, uh, the defensive pass interference rules, how that's set up. And it also gives um, the opportunity for not on field, but all, uh, up top or out in, um, uh, in, in Birmingham to be able to, uh, uh wherever they're the Fox studios are, I think it's either there in California. It's one of the two, um, but they're going to be able to make the calls in the booth as opposed to on the field. So it's going to, going to create a faster game because those calls are going to come from them or they're going to be called in from them as opposed to on the field. You get one, one option to throw the, the challenge flag and, I think it's going to keep a, a, the game rolling. It's going to keep it pretty yeah. so I think I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> I think that's smart because I think you're less uh, incentivized to stick around for a USFL game. They're taking to forever on replays. But right. I think that's especially something that I hope out of all of this moves on to the NFL in, in college football is that I've always wondered 
why we we hold on and maybe it's just the, the the way that it's always been but the referees on the field we act like those guys should have all the power in the world and so even if we go to you know replay we don't have we, we shouldn't go to a guy back in New York that can just look at a few replays and get it done real quick we need to have the, those officials look through all the same thing I, I always thought that was kind of silly just have a replay official designated for that game so he's part of the crew you don't have to worry about bias it'll be the same thing but it, it's so obvious to the viewer a lot of times after you see a replay or two and they stick around and look for at every angle from two or three minutes and it has to be the guys on the field making the play or yeah. making the call. I always thought that was kind of silly and that they should have somebody, you know, working back in an office that can look at all the views and make the right calls and get the get the game moving on quickly. And like you're saying, for the pass interference, it's it's like college. It's not going to be the pros where it's, uh, you know, if, if they throw a bomb and you have pass interference and they're going to, you know, it's a 15-yard penalty uh, or a spot ball if it's, you know, underneath that 15 yards. Um, mm -hmm. I always kind of like that. It, it kind of – the only way I don't like that is when cornerbacks absolutely – take advantage of it and, and tackle a guy but, when they're beat. But, then that, but that's the rule. Yeah. So if that does happen, that extends the 15 yards. Uh, yeah. So All that's, right. that's the ruling. Yeah. That, that's part <laughs> of the rule. So in, if that happens, as you just said, yeah. if they trip, they tackle, then it becomes an extended to wherever the foul was, was created. So, and, and that can also come from the top if it's missed. So that's, I, I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, uh, they've got a lot of stuff to kind of look for in it. And the overtime, the overtime is the biggest problem, whether you talk about yeah. college or pro um, people dislike the ways that, that they're doing it. College of course has kind of gone to the two point conversions that are needed. We saw that in the Penn state, Illinois game. Um, I think after the third overtime now, since so they can try to make it so you don't get to eight overtimes or whatever, still Illinois and Penn state were just matching whatever each other did. And it did get to like an eight overtime affair. Of course the NFL is just in a whole mess with their overtimes and, and you know, games can end in a tie. And obviously in the over in the playoffs, you're giving, um, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen's in, in different year not being able to touch the ball in overtime. Um, so I, I like kind of like their overtime uh, ruling. I don't know if it's the best. It's kind of like, is it the best of three overtime rule where they get the ball, I believe at the two and, uh, and then just have like three different attempts to add up as much points as they can. And both teams will get it. That's kind of weird. I don't know if that's again, that's kind of same when we were talking about baseball earlier, once you start to kind of get pulled too far away from the game itself, um, and situations that would come up during the third quarter, you know, at any time, um, then I don't know if that's the way that we should be deciding it. But I think it, it could be entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, then moving on, let's talk a little bit about what happened down in KC, just about uh, three hours' drive from uh, Omaha, Nebraska. You find <laughs> the KC Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, did have Tyreek Hill on the trade block. But we found that at the end of the day, it was just like uh, you had Cuba Gooding Jr. and you had Tom Cruise and he's <laughs> singing the song. He saw Devontae Adams land a bag out there in uh, Las Vegas for the Raiders. And all of a sudden he said, show me the money. And he basically got the deal done. He is no longer a Kansas City Chief. He will be going to the Miami Dolphins. That is a big land for them. A guy who is capable of blowing the top off of safeties and corners and, and leaving major room in the middle for Chad Kelsey to work is no longer the option for them. Now he is going to be uh, getting balls from the left-handed gunner of Tugavailoa. Uh, and so the deal was this. Miami gets Tyreek Hill, a top blower, 
And Kansas City receives the 2022 first round pick of the 29th, 2022 second round pick of the 50th, and the 22 fourth round pick and the fourth and sixth picks in the 2023 draft. How do you view that deal and how do you grade that deal between the Kansas City Royals and um, not Royals, Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins? Who wins the who wins the deal? And how do you grade it out? Well, it is a hall of picks for the Chiefs. So, I mean, if you're looking what what they're aiming to do, I know a lot of people don't would see the Dolphins just blew them away, right? I mean, you get... You 122 get... mil, 72 of it <laughs> right. is guaranteed in the bag soon as he opens up the checkbook. Yeah, but the Chiefs million. aren't paying that anymore. So that's kind of what they're mm. thinking. And I and I understand it because of the, the Patrick Mahomes deal that he signed a couple years ago. It was going to be hard to keep all those stars there. So it, the idea with that deal... Um, and it was apparent when he signed it was that you might be able to keep a guy around, you know, maybe one of these weapons. But a lot of this is going to be through the next 10 years, um, which is the length of that deal. It's going to be Patrick Mahomes and whatever you can work with the salary cap around him um, to plug players in there. So it's kind of interesting. You know, certain times you hear quarterbacks say, well, I was frustrated the franchise couldn't get me this or couldn't get me those weapons. It, yeah, it, a lot of these, you know, a lot of, with the deals, a lot of these quarterbacks <laughs> are signing now. It's really making it difficult to build a team around them. Um, and I, I, you know, obviously the Chiefs still have some good weaponry there. Uh, Travis Kelsey might be the best tight end of all time, but I, I, I even think he diminishes a little bit without this. Now teams can double cover him. Uh, you know, look more to him as as the the one true threat uh, that they're worried about. And like you said, it kind of takes the deep threat out of it. They they still got you know some some speed out there. They still have got some other guys, but they're not Tariq Hill. Still can get over. Right, top. yeah, but he's not Tyreek Kill. Yeah, Tyreek right. Kill's the cheetah. He's the fastest player in the league. He's already on the all-decade team from the previous decade. He's only 28 years old. He's got a lot out in front of him. Um, and yeah. normally, too, I would say. Uh, you know, maybe that the Dolphins are putting the money into the wrong position. You know, they already have got a stud wide receiver that they just got in Jalen Waddle in a in a, that's um, a great rookie deal. But yeah, that's a great duel, uh, a duo there. He caught 104 passes last year. Oh yeah, he's not a joke. He's no joke. <laughs> I think it definitely helps him out. Um, and normally, I would say though, watch what you're doing with the wide receiver position because that usually doesn't translate to wins. It translates to a lot right. of fantasy points. It translates to a lot of yards um, for that wide receiver, but it rarely translates to wins. Uh, and you can kind of see that throughout the history of the NFL. This last year, Cooper Cup might have turned that on his on that idea on his head though because he just he did everything. Uh, he led the league in receptions and yards and touchdowns. And then took his teams to the Super Bowl and won. So it translated there. And maybe it is starting to translate a little bit more with the running game having a diminished role over the years. You know, the the NFL putting more, uh, making it more friendly to, to have kind of a passing attack and, and offensive yards and all that. Maybe the wide receiver position is more important than we had thought in the past. Yeah, I think it's, it is a transition that is, is happening out there. What do you think? How do you guys view it? Who won the grade, the grade of that deal or who won the deal of the day? Was it Kansas City or do you think the Miami Dolphins uh, wins out in that deal? Texas at the 402-464-5685. We'd love to hear from you about it. Also, you can call us on the Sauter, I mean, on the Honda Lincoln hotline at the same number, 402-464-5685. We're on the block. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, there was a poll that was done by Husker Online. And it talks about how high school uh, players, as well as coaches, feel about the Husker football program. We'll come back and talk about it when we get back after this on the block. 